0: Families are the bedrock of humanity. It's such an important part of our shared history that even when things go wrong, we still continue to look after one another. In some cases, when children are involved, there are heroes we call foster parents. They give a pledge to look after and care for a child, regardless of their background and history, to make sure that that child has a bright and positive future. The Annie C. Courtney Foundation in Waterbury fosters those relationships for those in need. Today, Deb Kelleher, Executive Director of the Annie C. Foundation, talks with us about the foundation and more on the Municipal Voice. The Municipal Voice is the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast in collaboration with the NHH LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host Matt Ford. As always be sure to give us a like and let us know your thinking in the comments. CCM's Municipal Voice podcast continues to present a key forum on important state local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect consensus views of CCM or member municipal leaders. Deb, thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, so our first question is going to be for our listeners at home. Um, you know, the foundation was at our convention recently, so our members know about you. But for people at home, what is the Annie C. Courtney Foundation? Good question.
1: So uh, the Annie C. Courtney Foundation is a nonprofit located in Waterbury. we're. we're I like to say we're small but mighty. Mm-hmm. Um There are two of us who work there full time and we work really, really hard to find families for kids in foster care. And then um, our board has a a very, very significant interest and in finding uh, homes for kids who've aged out of foster care. So we're Mm -hmm. talking about your 18 to 24 year olds who are struggling to find adequate housing uh, once they leave foster care.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that are, those are our two major focuses yeah. um, or foci. And then uh, we also are waiting with bated breath uh, for the federal budget to be passed, which who knows if that will ever happen, mm-hmm. uh, because we also have a grant in the health and human services budget that will allow us to open a used bookstore in mm-hmm. order to provide training for young adults so that they can work retail um, Great, yeah. and perhaps even be able to open their own businesses.
0: Great. Um, you founded this organization and named it after your grandmother. What about her inspired you to start the foundation? So that's
1: also a good question. And it's funny because uh, just today in on Facebook, uh, there was a picture of Entenmann's crumb cakes. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with those? Yep. That was my grandmother's favorite treat. And uh, I had to post that uh, it reminded me of my grandmother so much. So my grandmother was uh, this very tiny, very powerful woman who, uh, when her parents died, raised the rest of her brothers and sisters. Mm. Um, She did not start her own life until all of them were launched and successfully doing their adult things. Um, And at that time, Back in the 1920s and early 30s, uh, my grandmother was then considered unmarriageable age because, Mm. you know, once you hit those mid-20s to early 30s, nobody wanted to know anything about you. Um, But she met my grandfather, uh, probably dancing on tables because my grandmother was known for that. (laughs) Um, And uh, she ended up having four girls, my mom and her twin sister, identical twins to till the day my mom died. Mm -hmm. Um, and then two other girls, um, and my grandmother was tough as nails, but at the same time, the most fun person Mm -hmm. to ever be around, uh, she taught me how to play poker. Mm -hmm. She taught me how to dance by standing on her feet. Um, and she also bossed my six foot four father around and left him quaking in his boots. Mm -hmm. So go figure. So who could not admire all of that?
0: Yeah. Um, and what about your history inspired you to start the foundation? Based on your bio, it seems like you've worked in kind of all stages of foster care. So why is this work so important to you? Uh,
1: so when I first got married, and um, I already had a son, and we tried to have more kids, and I and I wasn't successful, mm-hmm. and so we looked at the foster care system um, as a way of building our family, and as we looked at it more and more, we realized there were a lot of kids, especially back in the early 1990s, which Mm -hmm. is when I was doing this, uh, who were languishing in Connecticut in foster care with no permanent families. Uh, So we picked our son out from uh, one of the kids who'd been waiting for quite some time. And um, that kind of started me on my journey. Uh, The agency that, uh, that we got licensed through ended up asking me if I wanted to uh, co-lead the pre-licensing classes for Mm -hmm. prospective families. I loved, loved, loved the work. Um, I had always had an interest in like psychology and social work and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my career goals changed and launched me into uh, working in the foster care world. Um, And I stayed there from then on. So I, I did a number of other things. And actually, interestingly enough, I worked in video prior to working in foster care. So so here I am.
0: Back, <laughs> back on video combining two <laughs> yeah. worlds. Yeah. Um, so I think folks in general have an understanding of foster care, but it might be a little bit too influenced by what they see on TV shows and movies. Um, could Would you as an expert, how would you define foster care from the child's perspective and from the foster parent's perspective?
1: Okay, so from a child's perspective, uh, what this should be is a short term place for a child to be raised by parents who care about them uh, while their parents heal. Um, Unfortunately, that is not always the reality. And so Mm -hmm. for some kids, they will remain in foster care and uh, will need another family, a permanent family, that's adoption. Mm -hmm. For some kids, it'll be a short term solution while uh, here in Connecticut, the Department of Children and Families will be doing a deep dive, looking for additional family members Mm -hmm. for them. And then those children will leave foster care and will um, go to live with their relatives, either while they wait for their parents to to heal or sometimes permanently. Mm -hmm. Um, For some kids, unfortunately, Foster care is a negative experience, and for those kids, we hope that that's few and far between. But yeah. you know, we all know the reality is that um, nothing's perfect. Um, our current commissioner, Commissioner Durantes, has always said to me that uh, foster care was was is is an imperfect solution, but for right now, it's what we've got, and yeah. we always want kids heading back to families. From the foster parent perspective. Um, This is a wonderful way to help your community, Mm -hmm. a way in which to make sure that kids in your local communities can remain local so that when they are in foster care, um, their parents don't have to travel great distances to see them Mm -hmm. so that they can remain in their home schools and not Mm -hmm. have to go to a new school on top of all of their other losses. Um, And it's also an opportunity to really uh, help out another family in your community yeah. um, for some of our foster families they will end up adopting kids because mm-hmm. uh, they the kids won't be able to return home uh, but we see less and less of that because Connecticut does a really good job of providing preventive services to kids mm-hmm. and their families in need
0: great um how does someone decide to become a foster parent? How does someone know if they're right for foster parentage?
1: Hmm, that's a really good question. I think if you have room in your heart for another child, hmm. you have the space, which is part of what we do in our organization is we do that initial interview to help people hmm. determine whether or not this is a good time for them. If you're stable financially, and um, you really want to do something um, amazing for your community, Mm -hmm. this could be a good choice uh, for you to place your kind of volunteer hours in. Um, You know, there are a lot of things in this world that people can concentrate on when they wanna do good, right? Mm -hmm. There's animals in need, there's um, housing needs, there's going to your church and helping out at your church. There's food insecurity. Foster care is another one of those ways mm-hmm. to help out. And uh, we always are looking for families who who feel called to do this, who feel yeah. like they have that space.
0: And for the people that are interested, how does the C Foundation guide people through that process?
1: So we are um, often your first stop.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: sometimes you'll meet one of our staff at an event. Uh, like the event that you just talked about um, where uh, our recruiter Tom was uh, at a table. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that's a first conversation that folks have. And oftentimes, um, so that folks understand this, it doesn't always result in somebody deciding to immediately move forward to become a foster parent. Mm -hmm. We know that people usually need to hear about this multiple times before they make up their minds to do it. So we're okay with somebody approaching us, taking some information and maybe not moving forward for a year or two, sometimes mm-hmm. even three. Um, there's one person I can I distinctly recall who came into my office, uh, showed me a copy of my business card and said, you gave me this nine years ago. Wow. Nine years. Um, so I never want anyone to feel like the time is not right for them to at least call us and, and mm-hmm. start a conversation. Um, So then after that, oftentimes people will call us and we'll have an initial conversation where we take some demographic information Mm -hmm. ask some rudimentary questions just to make sure that, you know, this could be a good time for you Mm -hmm. in terms of the rules and regulations. And then we'll sign them up for um, an information meeting on zoo. Um, I conduct those for the state of Connecticut about 90 to 95% of the time Mm -hmm. across the state. And then um, that becomes, you know, your two-hour introduction to foster care, where uh, probably about 50% of of the folks will move forward.
0: Okay. Um, So adoption and assistance with adoption is one of the other main services you provide. How is it different and how is it the same uh, as foster care?
1: That's a really good question. Uh, So adoption is never the first plan when kids enter foster care. So Mm -hmm. we make that clear to folks that if they're coming to us and their long-term goal is adoption, that one of the things they should be considering is that over 60% of the kids in Connecticut foster care will go home. Mm -hmm. And so only if they can be on board with the fact that they will be working with biological family to help them meet their goals, to have their Mm -hmm. kids return home initially, um, and that they're okay with maybe the first, second, maybe even the third child who enters their home going home. Um, Mm -hmm. But eventually a child will be placed with them who will need a permanent home. And as long as they're okay with the uncertainty of that, this can be a good way for families to build a family. Mm -hmm. For families who want a sure thing, who perhaps have had um, pregnancy loss or long term infer- infertility where they really don't want um, to risk any more of their hearts, mm-hmm. um, then we always recommend to them that they, that they go to private adoption agencies because mm-hmm. this way of building a family is, is not um, is not a sure thing. And it does result in a lot of folks having to let go of kids that they Mm. had hoped would remain with them.
0: Yeah, Um, so your work dovetails with some of the stuff that we've done recently um, when we were inspired by the Dalio Education Report on disconnected youth. Uh, By their figures, nearly 120,000 kids in the state are at some stage of disconnections. And it seems as though one of your organization's goals is to provide connections. Um, What is your experience with this connection and how do you connect with kids, not just putting them, you know, in foster care adoption, but really connecting with them, giving them hope?
1: So that's not really our role. So we don't work directly with the kids because that is what DCF does with their, um, their workforce. Um, Just so you know, they have, um, they've divided their workforce up a bit so that they have staff that are specialists in working with youth. And you mm-hmm. do see a lot of that dis- disconnection with youth in foster care because they've experienced a lot of trauma in their lives and trauma leads to disconnection as we mm-hmm. know. Um, and um, so they work really hard to give kids a voice. So kids never have no choice. So if, mm-hmm. if they cannot return home to their parents, um, DCF is not going to make them um, work through an adoption plan. Mm -hmm. their voice is considered. And if they say, absolutely not, I do not want to be adopted, then DCF will work with them to, to try and open their mind to the possibilities, but ultimately they will respect that youth's position on that. And for a lot of kids, it's a loyalty issue. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're 14 or 16 years old and you've lived with your parents for most of your life and you have a great deal of loyalty to them. And you know, that, uh, taking on a new name and a new family might be very hurtful to your parents. For kids, Mm -hmm. that's a hard thing to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WNHH 103.5 FM. It seems that as though this isn't just uh, one organization involved, but a system of organizations that must work together, including government, other nonprofits, and of course, Annie C. Foundation. Who are the other kind of key players in the system and what is the process for fostering and adoption through those other... Okay, good
1: question. Very good question. And this is a part of the system that often leaves people very confused. So I'm glad Mm -hmm. you brought it up. So in Connecticut, uh, we have two levels of licensing for people who want to become foster parents. The first level is called core licensing. That's C O R E, and that's mm-hmm. through DCF. That is where the majority of families will get licensed. It's okay. for families interested in kids zero to eighteen, uh, families interested primarily in adoption, uh, caring for kids who might have significant medical issues, and um, are definitely our kids zero to six. Mm-hmm. Um, that level of licensing comes through us and then goes back to dcf for licensing okay Um, the second level of licensing is called um, therapeutic foster care the plan that that dcf is using right now is called functional family therapy foster Mm -hmm. care it's fft foster care dcf has nine agency partners that license families for that level of licensing Mm -hmm. Um, that level of licensing is for families interested in kids six and older who have a clinical need for support. Mm -hmm. So the families who agree to provide that kind of foster care, understand that these will be kids who are six and older. Primarily, Mm -hmm. they're usually 10 and older though. Um, Mm -hmm. That's usually how old kids are when they start to get those kind of diagnoses. Um, And those families are gonna provide around six months worth of support to that child where Mm -hmm. everyone in that household is going to participate in the therapeutic process on a Mm -hmm. weekly basis, providing that child with a lot of support meant to stabilize them so that they can then move on to a permanent home. And as I said, there are nine agencies that DCF works with. Um, They all have a certain geographic area that they cover. For example, in um, lower Fairfield County, it's a family and children's agency out of Norwalk. Mm -hmm. In um, most of the greater New Haven area, except New Haven, and upper Fairfield County, it's Boys and Girls Village. In the city of New Haven, it's children's community programs. And then there are other agencies across the state. In Waterbury, where we are, it's Wheeler Clinic. Mm -hmm. And then we don't all work um, independently. We're very connected to each other. Okay. So, for example, if Wheeler is going to have an event, mm-hmm. um, they'll invite us so okay. that we can represent that core level of licensing for DCF. If um, if there's an event down in Fairfield County, we'll get invited by whichever agency Boys and Girls Village or um, family and children's agency is going to be hosting that. When we have an event, Uh, we will invite the agency that is part of that area. So um, we held an event in Danbury this past summer, which had to be on the hottest, most brutal day of the summer, of course. Um, And uh, we invited family and children's aid out of Danbury because they are our partner in Mm -hmm. that area. Um, We learned our lesson. That event will, if we decide to repeat it this year, will take place in either May or June because... um, That was the most not fun event I think I've ever been to. (laughs) So, um, uh, um, you know, we do a lot of grassroots stuff. We try Mm -hmm. really, really hard to reach out to families in their communities and Mm -hmm. um, provide information in communities. Uh, One of the reasons I was interested in coming on to your show was because I was hoping that municipalities would see us on here and invite us down to their town halls to do like little meetings with their employees so that we could let them know about the needs in their communities.
0: That that brings up a good point. How can local governments work with you to help this process?
1: Um, I I know many of them use some sort of um, either cable news or um, where they have the free the free uh, space, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that's called. Uh, they can let us put a little blurb up there that lets their staff know and their communities know about the need for foster care. Mm-hmm. Foster care is a very hidden issue in many of our suburbs. Yeah. Um, folks think, oh, not my community, nobody ends up in foster care in my community. And that's not true. There are yeah. kids from every community in Connecticut in foster care. Um, And um, we are always struggling in those suburbs to find more families to Mm -hmm. provide foster care. So we're hoping that this will open a door for us to just come in and and provide information, provide information to the schools. You may not know this, but did you know that if uh, a teacher knows a child in their school and that child has to enter foster care, that DCF will license that teacher for only that child Mm -hmm. with no other obligation to take in any other kids.
0: That's very interesting.
1: Yeah, because we prefer kids to go to people who already know and care about them. Mm -hmm. The trauma for the kids is substantially reduced when they don't have to walk through the door of a stranger.
0: Yeah. Um, We talked about working with the government on the zero to 18-year-olds, but you also talked about working with Older kids, eighteen to what do you say, twenty-four? Can you talk a little bit more about yeah. that program and how that got started? Uh,
1: so um, because I've adopted three kids from foster care, mm-hmm. and um, I and my kids, uh, at least two of them out of my three have um, siblings who, uh, one of my kids have two has two siblings who languished in the main foster care system for over mm-hmm. ten years without a permanent family, mm-hmm. both boys, uh, both separated from each other for those 10 years before they were finally adopted into a family. And then my one of my other kids ha, is one of five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, he has siblings who were taken in by family members. He has um, siblings who were adopted unsuccessfully, mm-hmm. um, not from any fault of the child. Um, and he has one brother who aged out of foster care after spending um, about 10 years in foster care, mm-hmm. and then um, went almost immediately into homelessness, um, and then made some serious errors in judgment, and uh, is now in prison.
2: Okay. And
1: that's where my interest has come from, um, is looking at the trajectory of that child mm-hmm. into the life that they now have That is was totally avoidable had we been able to provide more Mm-hmm. For that child, as they were aging out of foster care and hitting adulthood, so um, that was part of our our impetus for starting mm-hmm. the agency was to look at that age group very carefully and see what we could do, which is why we're working on the housing. Yeah. So um, we are we are um, every day I check Zillow. <laughs> um, it's my new hobby. Um, And uh, we're praying that the mortgage rates go down because right now we've um, raised some of the money for housing, Mm -hmm. but that's one of our key issues is housing. Because if you are not stably housed, Mm
2: -hmm. it's hard
1: to think about any of the other parts of your life that need work. Right. If you don't know where you're going to lay your head tonight, does it really matter if you don't have a job?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So we are working on providing housing for kids. um, And uh, we have a, a, our uh, first annual dinner fundraiser coming up where we're hoping to raise what we need, the rest of what we need to purchase our first multifamily home in the greater Waterbury area. Um, And then um, that's the same thing for the bookstore. Uh, The Mm -hmm. reason that we are so interested in opening the bookstore is um, because young people need a safe place to learn how to be good employees. For many of our kids, they make significant errors that cause them to get fired. Mm -hmm. And our place will not be something like that. So if you uh, speak rudely to you as the customer walking Mm -hmm. in the door and you come to me and you complain, that's not going to result in that young person being fired. It's Mm going to result in us working with them to help them to understand how to be able to work better um, with the public. So that's the kind of thing that we feel is necessary for our kids is to have that kind of safety where you can make big mistakes and Mm -hmm. um, be able to move forward from them rather than to be so set back that uh, you feel hopeless.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um,
1: Yeah, besides which who doesn't like to get a good used book at a good deal?
0: Exactly. (laughs) These bookstores are good stuff. Um, So I guess wrapping it up, one of our final questions that we always ask guests in the municipal voices, are you optimistic about the future with, you know, part of your work being with children who, as we know, are the future? Do you feel optimistic for them?
1: I do. Um, Here in Connecticut, we have done a lot of work in prevention. It's Mm -hmm. actually one of my favorite parts of the work is to work with um, teams who go out and um, do preventive work to prevent kids from coming into foster care. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do a lot of that work very successfully here in Connecticut. We get better at it every single year. Mm -hmm. Um, We are, and we see less and fewer and fewer kids coming into the foster care system. We've gone down from over 5,000 kids about 12 years ago to Mm -hmm. only about 3,000 kids now. So we are slowly making our way to a space where um, we identify issues that families are having earlier Mm -hmm. so that parents don't ever lose their kids so that we can provide supports to parents while kids are in the community. And that is ultimately the goal, right? Mm -hmm. So that every family is safe and supported and successful and kids feel love from the day they're born.
0: Great. And uh, last question uh, for people listening at home, where can they find information to help?
1: Great. Um, So they can go on our website. uh, That's Annie C, A-N-N-I-E C, as in Mm -hmm. cat.org. They can check our Facebook page, um, Annie C. Courtney Foundation. Um, They can uh, check out the DCF website because there's lots of information there and they're rewriting it. So it's going to be much more accessible to the public shortly. Um, And they can also call us at Mm 475-235-2184 because uh, typically we're there. And if we're not, we will call you back the next time we're in the office.
0: Well, great. Deb Keller, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been uh, lovely to talk to you.
1: Thank you, Matt, for having me.
0: And keep up the good work we'd like to thank our guest deb Kelleher. municipal voice is a co-production by ccm and WNHH 103.5 fm christopher gilson is our producer harry draws on the boards and i'm matt ford your host be sure to check out our facebook page and give us a like and watch out for our ccm chat series on our youtube page